Hi friends, you're listening to How to Go Vegan Podcast. My name's Trish Roberts. Hopefully you've looked at the introduction to plant-based nutrition, which included information about B12. If you haven't listened to that particular episode, I invite you to do so before listening to this one. Before I start, I would like to say that at times I'm going to compare animal sources of various nutrients with plant-based sources. If I do this, it's to demonstrate the clear health issues backed by science. Although I do this, I want to be clear that for me, it wouldn't matter if animal-sourced nutrients were better health-wise for us, and even if they were not harmful, I would not consume them. Because they are products of great violence, and also because we can be vegan and we can easily meet our nutrition requirements from plants and other non-animal sources. But I will demonstrate the differences between plant versus animal sources with some examples of non-animal nutrition studies to demonstrate how superior a plant-based diet is. Some of the information I'll provide in these episodes about nutrition are sourced from a site nutritionfacts.org, which personally I find very beneficial. It freely provides regular science-based public information on the latest in nutrition research. So I invite you to check it out and please read my full disclaimer about external sites, social media, sites, organizations, groups, individuals, and so forth. In this episode about nutrition, in relation to a plant-based diet, we'll focus on protein. Questions like, can we get enough protein if we eat a balanced plant-based diet? I'll present some science-backed info about what is the best kind of protein for our bodies, plant or animal. Are there any negative health outcomes eating animal protein versus plant protein? I think you will find the information in this episode very interesting and very important not only for vegan health, but anyone's health. It's certainly something that most of us would not be aware of, even if we're vegan. So do vegans get enough protein? There is the firmly held belief that animal products, including meat, are the main and desirable source of protein. Sometimes one would think animal protein is the only source of protein there is if we listen to the mainstream media, and even to some medical professionals. One would even think that it's necessary to include animal products in our diet if we want to be strong and healthy. Well, not only is that not true, but it's a myth that is literally killing us. If we are asking the question, do vegans get sufficient protein from a balanced plant-based diet, the good news is, yes, we do. The largest study in history of those eating plant-based diets recently compared the nutrition profiles of about 30,000 non-vegans and about 5,000 vegans. The average requirement is 42 grams of protein a day. Non-vegans get way more than they need, and so does everyone else. Vegans get 70% more protein than they need every day. We get all we need and more, and it's the good kind of protein. There's plenty of protein in all kinds of plants. So here's a few basic facts. Protein is a term that covers several amino acids. The key issue with getting amino acids, protein, from plants is that there are nine essential amino acids, ones our bodies can't make. We need to ensure we obtain all of them. 
the good news is it's really simple. Basically, if we eat grains and or legumes, they are both fairly high in amino acids, and we don't necessarily have to eat them at the same time. Eating a plant-based diet means we get all the amino acids we need. Not only that, but many vegetables and fruit contain amino acids, and anyone eating a plant-based diet that is not severely restrictive will get enough protein without doing anything special. Obtaining protein is not a problem for anyone on a plant-based diet, unless one is doing something like trying to live only on eggplant or on grapes or some other one-food diet. Getting enough protein is the least of our concerns as vegans. We don't have to eat tofu or soy or faux meat substitutes. Almost any meal that people normally enjoy, which does not contain animal products, will be fine. Dal curry with rice or rotis, bean tacos or burritos made with traditional corn tortillas without sour cream or cheese, traditional Lebanese falafel rolls, vegan baked beans on toast, baked potato, porridge, mushy peas, black-eyed beans with collard greens, grits, vegan succotash, all of them have heaps of protein. In other words, one can eat ordinary plant-based foods from a huge variety of cuisines and obtain plenty of protein. Getting enough protein is certainly not a challenge. It doesn't even mean it is refined food. There are vegan bodybuilders and Olympic-level athletes that are doing just fine eating a plant-based diet. Since most of the protein in grains is in the starchy part of the grain, it doesn't matter if you eat white bread, white rice, pasta, or other food from refined grain, you will still get the protein, though whole grains provide a number of benefits incidental to protein. It is also worthwhile noting that many nutritionists point out that amino acids, proteins, aren't metabolized on their own. The other elements of a food do make a difference to health and metabolic efficiency. A body of knowledge is pointing to the fact that plant proteins often come in a better package than proteins found in animal products and include vitamins, minerals and other nutrients that helps with digestion and uptake. We actually metabolize plant proteins better than those from meat. Something else to consider is that like carbohydrates, getting protein is not the major element in a good diet. Protein alone would not keep us healthy. Potatoes contain all the amino acids and we could probably get most of our protein if our diet was mostly potato chips, french fries to Americans. We would probably also be obese and very unhealthy, but we wouldn't be short of protein. So protein is really not the basis for health. It is in so many foods, even unhealthy foods. It is not something we need to worry about. But whether we are non-vegan or vegan, we need to remember to eat a good balanced diet. So what is better for our bodies, animal protein or plant protein? Plant protein wins hands down. In fact, Dr. Walter Willett, the chair of Harvard's nutrition department, recommends we emphasize plant sources of protein rather than animal sources. Dr. Willett, in his Essential Healthy Eating Guide, talks about picking the best protein packages, recognizing that food 
quote, is a package deal, end quote. So one of the top three recommendations is we should emphasize plant sources of protein rather than animal sources. Protein, animal or plant, is not consumed in isolation. Instead, it is packaged with a host of other nutrients. The quality and amounts of fats, carbohydrates, sodium and other nutrients in the, quote, protein package, end quote, may influence long-term health. For example, results from the Harvard Nurses Health Study suggest that eating more protein from beans, nuts, seeds, and the like, while cutting back on refined carbohydrates like white flour, reduces the risk of heart disease. As I mentioned earlier, those eating a traditional Western non-vegan diet get too much protein, and as I explain soon, science suggests it is the bad kind. But even though non-vegans get more protein than vegans, vegans actually have significantly higher serum albumin, the predominant protein in the blood, essential to a range of functions. The reason non-vegans have lower levels is probably due to inflammation caused by animal protein, which I'll talk about soon, which suppresses protein production in the liver. So this seems to indicate how much less inflammation there is in the bodies of vegans eating a plant-based diet. A study in cancer epidemiology, biomarkers and prevention of those who eat animal products and vegans who do not, found higher insulin-like growth factor, or IGF-1, levels in those eating animal products. IGF-1 is important in childhood, but in adults, it becomes a cancer-promoting growth hormone. High IGF-1 levels in adults are associated with animal protein intake. In fact, dairy cows, who already have a high level of IGF-1 in their milk, are given additional IGF-1 injections to increase milk production. What was interesting in that study showed that plant protein seemed to decrease IGF-1 levels to more acceptable levels. Animal protein appears to send a much different signal to our livers than most plant proteins. Even those vegans eating the same amount of protein as non-vegans still had lower levels of IGF-1, so it's apparently not about excessive protein in general, but animal protein in particular. And while we are on the topic of IGF-1 in dairy, and its cancer-promoting properties, recombinant bovine somatrophin, or RBST, is a genetically engineered variant of the natural hormone that promotes IGF-1 produced by cows. It's sold to dairy farmers under the trade name Posalac, formerly owned by Monsanto, now owned by Eli Lilly. And the injection of this hormone not only causes severe pain to cows by increasing mastitis, lameness and reproductive complications, but it also forces cows to boost milk production by 10% and it increases the amount of IGF-1 in cow's milk by 80%. As well as this, casein, the main protein found in dairy, is a strong allergen and the histamine creates excessive mucus in our system. If you listen to the episode about calcium, 
It contains quite a lot of somewhat disturbing information about dairy and the health concerns, and I invite you to listen to that for more information. As an added side note, something else that is not widely known and is probably the most disturbing news of all is that there are a number of pathogens in animal flesh which is not destroyed by stomach acid or digestive enzymes and are highly resistant to being cooked or even boiled for hours. Animal fat plays a role in transporting these bacterial toxins present in the meat through the gut wall and into our system. It's called endotoxemia. The ingestion of animal products triggers an immediate inflammation due to the fact that they are so loaded with bacteria that they can trigger inflammation, dead or alive, even when they are fully cooked. And saturated animal fat then boosts the absorption of these bacterial toxins into our bloodstream. That's very disturbing news and probably explains why our bodies, if we are ingesting animal products, are constantly dealing with inflammation and cancer-promoting hormones and all the other toxic effects that seem to go hand-in-hand with ingestion of animal products, and which I talk about in each nutrition episode. The negative health effects of dairy consumption is particularly frightening, so I hope you will listen to that episode about calcium. Another example of the inflammatory effects of animal protein. Before animal product consumption became widespread in Africa, there was a low prevalence of colon cancer, 50 times lower than those in the U.S., who tend to have high intake of animal products. The low prevalence of colon cancer was seen to be the result of their low intake of animal protein and fat. But we may ask, why would animal protein and fat increase cancer risk? Here's an example. If we eat egg whites, between 5 and 35% of the protein isn't digested. It's not absorbed and it ends up in the colon where it undergoes a process called putrefaction. When animal protein putrefies in the gut, it can lead to the production of the rotten egg gas, hydrogen sulfide, which is not only an unpleasant odor, but can produce changes in the gut which increase our cancer risk. Putrefying animal protein also produces ammonia. And speaking of ammonia, Over a lifetime on a standard Western diet, the bacteria in our colon releases a huge amount of ammonia, and every day this ammonia destroys cells, alters DNA synthesis, increases cellular proliferation, favors the growth of cancerous cells, and increases virus infections. It's the products of protein and fat digestion that are to blame. However, if one is put on a plant based diet, Within just one week, the enzyme activity that creates the ammonia in the colon decreases significantly. Another example of the deleterious effect of animal protein on our bodies is how it adversely affects our kidney function. About one in eight of us now have chronic kidney disease, whether we know it or not. And most of those with kidney disease don't know it. About three quarters of a million affected that their kidneys are starting to fail, which is particularly worrisome given that early identification 
provides an opportunity to slow the progression and alter the course of the disease. Why is this happening? The Western-style diet is a major risk factor for impaired kidney function, chronic kidney disease, causing an impairment of kidney blood flow, inflammation and subsequent leakage of protein in the urine, and a rapid decrease in kidney function. The saturated fat, trans fat and cholesterol found in animal fat and junk food negatively impact kidney function. The consumption of animal fat can actually alter kidney structure. An animal protein can deliver an acid load to the kidneys, increase ammonia production and damage the sensitive kidney cells. Animal protein in particular, not just protein in general, is the culprit rather than plant protein and here's the reason. Animal protein intake has a profound effect on normal human kidney function, including what's called hyperfiltration, increasing the workload of the kidney. No matter what protein we eat from any animal species, including egg and dairy protein, it causes a kind of unrelenting stress on our kidneys that can predispose even healthy people to progressive kidney scarring and deterioration of kidney function. An equal quantity of vegetable protein does not appear to have the same effects. Not only that, but plant-based diets appear to protect against renal cell carcinoma, both directly and indirectly. Why does animal protein cause the overload reaction, but not plant protein? It appears to be an inflammatory response triggered by the animal protein. Another deleterious effect of animal protein, the NIH-AARP study, one of the largest prospective studies on diet and health ever, followed 500,000 people for nine years and found that nitrate from animal sources, whether they are processed meats or fresh meat, was associated with an increased risk of renal cancer. Total intake of nitrate and nitrate from processed meat sources was also positively associated with renal cancer risk. There were no associations with nitrate or nitrate intake from plant sources due to the blocking effects of vitamin C and other antioxidants from plants we eat, blocking the carcinogens in our stomach. But nitrates from processed meats were associated with cancer. In fact, one hot dog may contain as many carcinogens as that found in five cigarettes. While I've spoken briefly about the problems of dairy, I'll make a special mention of chickens here. Chickens are among the most heavily consumed animals on the planet. They have been bred and modified so that, quote, broiler, end quote, chickens grow at a phenomenal rate to be more quickly available. Part of the development of chickens as a, quote, product, end quote, is breeding and rapid production to increase fat and water content. They are fed drug cocktails, hormones, stimulants, and so on to increase and maintain this unnatural growth and are given or exposed to a range of antibiotics, antifungals, and other drugs to keep them healthy and calm. Most of these drugs and chemicals remain present in their bodies after death and even after cooking. Antibiotic levels have caused great concern in the medical profession 
because it means that those eating chickens are continually exposed to low levels of antibiotics, a major cause of development of the antibiotic resistance that is rendering many of our drugs useless against human disease. Chicken production has been particularly identified as a source of antibiotic-resistant bacteria, including multiple drug resistance and cross-genera transfer of resistance. Egg production is a result of breeding and organism modification as extreme as that for, quote, broilers. Egg production drugs include stimulants like speed and dyes fed to chickens to make the yolks, which are colorless in intensive production due to lack of sun, look like, quote, natural eggs, end quote. Any chicken product is likely to contain high levels of salmonella and increasingly crossover diseases like avian flu are developing. Chickens are among the least healthy animal foods one can eat and eggs are as much a disaster as dairy consumption. So I'm just lightly touching on the deleterious effects of animal products from just a general look at the nutrition studies and research. And after doing so, it's not a leap to think that, just like cigarettes, animal products should come with a health warning on the packages. In fact, the World Health Organization has just issued a statement saying processed meats are carcinogenic. It becomes increasingly clear that these products just do not belong in our bodies, and certainly not in the amounts we consume them. It also becomes obvious why hundreds of thousands of people each year develop cancer, diabetes and other serious illnesses and countries which have started to adopt the standard Western diet are starting to see increasing cases of cancer, heart disease and other health issues. To sum up, there is no reason for anyone on a plant-based diet to worry about getting enough protein. We'll probably have much more available protein. What is important is that by stopping intake of animal products, we will avoid the bacteria and pathogens, the hormones, antibiotics and other drugs given to animals. We will digest our food better and our body can regulate metabolism better. We will have less fat, less acid and less ammonia in our system. Our heart and circulatory system will thank us and we will be exposed to many fewer carcinogens. But most importantly, as individuals, we will be living an ethical life and preventing the pointless and unnecessary and unjust torture and death of non-human sentient beings who share the planet with us and who deserve at least one very basic right not to be used as a resource. Thanks to nutritionfacts.org for much of the information supplied in this episode. And please read my disclaimer about external links, social media sites, organizations, groups, individuals, products, and so forth. Thanks for listening. Till next time. Bye for now.